Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are, and welcome to the Politics Guys with your hosts, Dave Carson and Michael Darnowski. Welcome to the Politics Guys. I'm Michael Baranowski, a political scientist at Northern Kentucky University. My co-host this week, as always, is Cleveland area attorney and sometime Republican strategist Jay Carson. Before I get started with the show, we'd like to let everyone know that we are starting a weekly newsletter. It'll have our take on the week's events, the best of what we read in the week, updates and announcements about the podcast, and just some random thoughts that we might happen to have. Uh, We plan on sending this out every Sunday. And if you'd like to check it out, let us know. Send us a a mail, an email at mail at politicsguys.com. This uh, coming week's edition will be our very first, and we would really love to get your feedback on it. You can let us know what you liked, what you didn't like, uh, really anything to design, the layout, anything that you think might help it be a better, more useful thing to you, that would be great. So again, that email is mail at politicsguys.com. Send us an email there and we'll get it out to you right away. And of course, we will not share or otherwise use your email for any sort of uh, commercial or nefarious purposes. Right, Jay? We would never do that. No, that would be wrong. Okay. On to the show. Now, if you listen to Sunday's show, you'll know it was kind of jam-packed full of stuff. And there were a lot of things we really wanted to talk about that we didn't have a chance to get to. And so we're going to use this week's uh, Ask the Politics Guys show to talk about some of those things. Uh, in no real particular order, just kind of a grab bag of things that you know have been on both of our minds that we thought were will, will be worth talking about. So you don't mind if I start off, do you, Jay? No, far away. Okay. Um. The first thing I'm thinking about this week is what does Donald Trump want? Um, you know, a lot of folks are, are kind of preparing for the worst, and I understand that, at least folks on the left and some folks on the right. I'm trying to look at this through the lens of putting myself as, as difficult and as painful as this is maybe in Donald Trump's shoes and trying to think about what do I think I know about Donald Trump, what motivates him. And how might that affect his presidency? And so here's what I've come up with. It seems to me that Donald Trump's whole life has been about proving something to people, you know, showing yeah, people agree, that he's yeah. that he's good enough, that he's smart enough. It, it's, I don't know how you can follow Donald Trump for any length of time and not get the sense that he has a, a huge chip, chip on his shoulder and just a ton to prove to everyone, you know, it's yep. sort of a – and so – Thinking about that in terms of the presidency, saying, okay, well, what does he have left to prove? I think it seems to me a reasonable conclusion is that he wants to prove that he can be a great president. Uh, And that to me would seem to be, based on what we know about Donald Trump, to be the most reasonable conclusion to draw. So what does that mean? Well, to me, that means that he's not going to do a lot of the things perhaps that a lot of folks fear because he, number one, does not want to start a trade war that sends the country into a recession or worse. Number two, he wants to get reelected and he's smart enough to know that he pretty much in 2016 got every last, last ounce out of a shrinking white male electorate. I mean, that he did a great job of that, but it's going to be even harder four years from now. I honestly believe that he wants to reach out and he wants to be the sort of person where 
20, 30, 50 years from now, people look back and say, wow, that Trump presidency, that wasn't too bad or that was actually pretty good. And so I think that's what's going to motivate him. And now I can hear a lot of my, my liberal friends are probably screaming it right now. I'm probably going to get a lot of you know, flack for this. But that to me is the most reasonable ex- explanation in my mind of what might be driving Donald Trump. I, I certainly hope it is. So maybe this is the triumph of, I don't know, of my hope over my reason, which is why I kind of wanted to throw it out there. I want to hear what listeners have to think about it. And especially, Jay, I want to hear what you have to think about that. What do you think? Well, I – I, I think you're I think you're right on. Um, you know, to me, I mean, Trump from the beginning has always been described as uh, in in many ways a moderate Republican. I mean, you you can say, look, his his statements and uh, I think it was James Toronto who pointed this out that his his uh, statements, his, his policy positions or, or his statements are not immoderate. They're intemperate. Um, but but he was not a doctrinaire conservative. And really looking at at what he said throughout the campaign, what he said throughout his life, it's hard to find any sort of guiding political philosophy uh, that he's got a particular agenda. His his agenda is I want things to be great. <laughs> yeah. I want I want to be the greatest president ever. And literally his his he wants to make America great again. That's and I really do think that's that's how he sees it. I, I don't think he has any particular notion uh, of of what he does to to do that i mean i think part of it deals with look he wants to uh get get better trade deals he wants to tackle immigration problems and so forth but beyond that um again there's not a particular ideology that he he seems to advance he's very very much a pragmatist and i i think as as we talked about on uh, the show i guess two weeks ago um he wants to win, so he wants to do things that that he can chalk up there and say, "Look, I'm a winner. I won this." Uh, and whether it's it's you know an infrastructure bill, whether it's uh, uh, changes or tweaks to, to something like NAFTA, uh, it, it's that's what that's what he's looking for. So I, I would say, you know, for all the liberals who are uh, marching the streets, that that uh, he's going to turn back the clock fifty years and so forth. I don't I don't think that's that's really anywhere in his his calculation. Even if he even if he could do it, um, I, I don't I don't expect that he will. You know, I, I sort of agree uh, in part at least that there are there are two huge areas of concern I have uh, about minority groups, and that's uh, concerns related to uh, immigrants, illegal illegal immigrants, and also uh, concerns related to Muslims in this country. And I think people in those two groups have, I believe understandable and rational reasons to be, uh, you know, very deeply concerned about some of the things that Donald Trump believes in, uh, because he has fairly strong beliefs in these areas. And I think that in many cases, they're wrong beliefs that are going to be pretty disastrous. But that aside, that's a huge thing to put aside, of course. I mean, that could be and probably will be at some point a show in and of itself. In terms of Donald Trump's beliefs, what I believe his beliefs are about homosexuals, what I believe his beliefs are about um, other minority groups. I think he's probably a lot better uh, on a lot of those issues than almost any other Republican who would have been elected. Um, And so that's not that's I mean, that's cold comfort. Obviously, it's not going to be like it was in the Obama presidency, unfortunately. But uh, but I don't think that Donald Trump is a a hater. Uh, He hates radical Islamic extremism. And I think there's some hugely unfortunate spillover that's going to be pretty disastrous 
potentially to some Muslims in this country. But he doesn't strike me as a hater in the way that kind of I felt like Ted Cruz struck me as a hater in, in some ways. So well, I, I disagree that Ted Cruz is a hater, but okay. I, 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 I take your I take your point. No, I, I don't think he's. I don't think he has an animus against uh, uh, minorities or or um, uh, homosexuals. In fact, he's he's the first Republican candidate to to openly embrace uh, gay marriage. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I don't I don't I don't see that. I think he has uh, an animus against problems like immigration and radical Islam. And you're right, there is a there's a potential for that to spill over. Uh, to people who are 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 innocent, um, but I, I I don't I yeah I, I just I don't see um, you know if you ask a liberal what what is it that they're afraid Trump's going to do, um, well you know well, I think that's sort of well I think you know one and one point that that in fairness I should address and is that the issue of what's sometimes called normalizing um, and this right. idea that Donald Trump makes what you call these intemperate comments. You know, uh, you know, Donald Trump absolutely said, grab them by the, you know, you know what, if you're a star, you can do it. It seems to me sure. Donald Trump has pretty clearly indicated for his entire career, his entire life, that he sees women as objects. Uh, I think his remarks about women and how it seems to me from everything that I can glean, how he views women is is, is disgusting and unacceptable. Uh, I think some of his comments uh, about minorities and other groups, certainly, you, I mean, you might call them intemperate. I think it you know, you can make a good argument that it, it puts a message out there that the president of the United States is saying this, then it's okay. So I think that's a, that's a huge concern. You know, and then some, some, some folks who I talk to have been Trump supporters say, oh, you're just being too sensitive. And I, I don't think so. You know, it's one thing for some comedian in a comedy club to do that. It's an entirely different thing for the president-elect or the president of the United States to do that. And so what I hope is that... President Donald Trump changes his tone entirely. Uh, I think that's going to be difficult, though. I mean, he's an old guy who's operated the same way his entire life. Can he be presidential? Can he stop normalizing this sort of disgusting behavior, these sort of remarks that I don't think have any place in, in you know, in, in decent society? I don't know. I hope, I, I certainly hope he can, that he's up to that task. And it remains to be seen. All right. Okay. All right. Um, moving on. The second thing I want to talk about is, you know, I, in my book, uh, which I wrote a few years ago, uh, yeah, I'm not not a plug, but navigating the news oh, available. Well, it, navigating yeah. the news available at Amazon and and you know and online booksellers anywhere. Uh, one of the things that I, I mentioned in the book, and one of the things I tell my students all the time, uh, they probably get sick of me saying it is. Consider the possibility that you might be wrong or more to the point, more specifically, ask yourself, what evidence would it take for me to revise my view? Um, I think this is the question that people don't ask themselves enough. And it's a question that I'm trying really hard to ask myself about Donald Trump and the Trump administration. So I think, I feel I have good reasons to believe that the Donald Trump presidency will be a disaster. For a, a lot of reasons, you say that a lot. You, you know, lot. well, he says disaster. he says it a lot too. You know, maybe it's just kind of it's kind of seeping into my consciousness. But we've talked about this on the show for the last several months. So, I, and I won't recount all that. But 
also, I think it's important for me to say, okay, what would, you know, what would cause me to change my mind? It's hard to think that way, you know, but am I, am I just, am I just saying that no matter what Donald Trump does, he will be a disaster. And because, you know, when, during the Obama presidency, one thing that I often said to some of my conservative friends is, can't you find one single thing that's good about President Obama? I mean, you know, I've said about many conservatives, President Obama could give everyone uh, a pony and free beer for life, and they would still think he was evil. Uh, yeah, which going to pay for it. You know what? Uh, yeah. But, but yeah, but you know what I'm saying, right? And so yes. I'm trying very hard to do that. Uh, and I would encourage other people, my, my friends on the left, to think about that too. That's not to say I. That's not to say that we shouldn't stand up and strongly, strongly oppose the policies that are going to come out of the Trump administration. That we will absolutely have good grounds for opposing, but also to not just shut our minds, to, to shut ourselves off, and to be as close-minded and on certain issues as we often, and I think rightly so accuse conservatives of being. And that's that's just kind of a plea for openness, I guess. It's hard to do. I find it incredibly hard to do, and I just wanted to throw that reminder out there. Okay. I don't I don't have any problem doing that, actually. I don't find it hard to do. I, no. I mean I I'm I live in a sort of the constant state of of what if I'm wrong. Um my my hope with well, I guess my sort of my hope with Trump uh, is that I'm I'm sort of wrong. I mean yeah, sure. my concern was was that uh uh, well, I will put it this way. My hope was that, you know, the the Trump, you know, shtick was just that sort of a shtick and that uh, in in reality, behind closed doors, he is a a a clear minded, sober, managerial kind of guy. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I I hope that that's that's what turns out to be. Yeah, um, agreed. I don't know. Well, you know, I think one of the least uh, appreciated, most undervalued uh uh, virtues, I think, in a leader is humility. Uh, we see precious little of it, but and it, it's you know that, that because the sort of people who I think rise to power tend to be people who have massive egos, and and for a lot of reasons you need that to rise to power and to handle all the junk that people throw at you right all the time. I mean, it requires yeah. that sort of, that sort of belief in yourself that goes far beyond what most of us normal people have, because of course, politicians aren't really normal people, at least not at that level uh, uh, for a lot of very good reasons. But humility is such an important, uh, such an important value. I think, especially when we're talking about the most powerful person, uh, arguably in, in the world, you know, and, which and, is and Trump will tell you he's going to be the most humble president ever. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. You know, but you know, and that's why I keep on going back to George H. W. Bush, the good Bush. And you know, yeah, he he struck me as the sort of person who uh, had that a certain sense of that humility. And so we don't see that a lot in political life. Uh, we don't value that as much, I think, as we should in political life. You know, people who say, maybe I could be wrong are the people who don't attract a fervent following. I get that. But I really wish that we focused a little bit more on that. That's maybe a pipe dream, but I just wanted to throw that out there. All right. Third thing. And, and another what? thing. Yeah. And another yeah. thing. Yeah. Another thing is my own personal bubble. Um, now, we've talked a lot about news bubbles. Sometimes they're called filter bubbles. There's been a lot of talk, you know, about Facebook and how it does that. And, you know, I really, and I know you, Jay, do the same thing, work to try to get a diverse 
range of views. I, I counted up uh, just a few days ago, and there were something like 20-something news sources that I check on a regular basis. It's a pretty exhausting thing. Um, but I took another look at it after the election uh, because what I was what I realized I needed to do is I needed to find more non-elite news sources. That's a tricky thing because even if you're the sort of person who looks at news sources on the right and the left, you know, for me, that's meant, okay, well, I'll read the Washington Post and I'll read the New York Times. I'll also read the Wall Street Journal and the National Review. But there's a problem there, especially in the last few months, is that that's all kind of the elite establishment media that seems to have on both sides missed so much of what was going on in, you know, with millions of Americans, you know, that missed mm-hmm. the whole Trump thing. They were all stridently anti-Trump. He'll never get elected, that sort of thing. And so I've been kind of making it my personal mission over the last few weeks to try to say, well, where can I go to find that sort of viewpoint to make that a regular part of my life? And Jay, it's been really tricky. It's been difficult because so much of that non-elite media is, well, I guess it's junk is what it is. It's that sensationalistic kind of garbage with a huge signal to noise ratio. You know, a lot of talk about, it's been a, you've heard a lot of talk about Breitbart, for instance. And so, okay, I said, okay, I will read, I will go to Breitbart's site every single day. And it's, it's, it's like, it's like the Huffington Post for the right, except worse, I would argue. And that, you know, it's, it's sensationalistic, fear-mongering junk for the most part. It's not serious journalists. These aren't journalists who are working for these organizations. Uh, you know, these are propagandists. These are, these are people who are just seeking to inflame and not to inform. And so uh, for a while, I kind of despaired. I looked around a little more, and I'm happy to report that I actually found a couple of reasonably serious not quite elite journalistic sources for for myself that I think are going to help me expand my understanding. And I wanted to recommend them to listeners. Um, Is this where you're going to endorse like the Alex Jones uh, and the conspiracy? <laughs> uh, what's what's his? Uh, Infowars, I think it is. Yeah, yeah Infowars. Infowars, yes. yes. I will not endorse Alex from Jones. Forward, Mike will be getting all his information from Infowars. <laughs> no, not, not hardly. But um, what, I, what I would suggest to folks is uh, – the Washington Times and the Washington Examiner. I've been checking them out in the last few days. They actually have real newsrooms. They have news staffs. They have real reporters. Um, and they also take a view of things that's a little less kind of, even though they're both in Washington, that's a little less East Coast establishment sort of received conventional wisdom than, say, uh, Fox News or the uh, you know or the the Wall Street Journal or National Review or something like that you know so I just wanted to throw that out there because it is so very difficult to find you know that sort of non sensationalistic stuff you know one of my one of my sources just to give you an example I really like New York Magazine um, for for a lot of reasons but you know I went there yesterday and just two of the big headlines Donald Trump building team of racists and all the terrifying things that Donald Trump did this week. And, you know, it just, right. It just, well, that's, that's, I mean, was that like the Andy Borowitz? Uh, no, no, these oh, were serious was, stories. Okay. Yeah. And this is, okay. you know, and this is why, this is why I think this stuff is so, so damaging potentially is most, most liberals and most conservatives are increasingly living in worlds where those are the headlines they see all the time. 
You know, and I absolutely am concerned about the team that Donald Trump is building, and I absolutely am concerned about some of his policy positions, but constantly using that inflammatory clickbaity language, that creates a frame of mind, that creates an environment that makes it so incredibly difficult for us to see each other as anything but evil demons from hell who who are trying to destroy the country. I mean, I've seen it from the right, you know, when President President Obama, you know, President Obama hates the country, isn't a real American, that sort of thing. And now we're, we're seeing the reverse. And I just, that's not the answer, you know. So anyway, I just wanted to recommend those two sites for people who, like me, might be trying to get a you know a, a more of a diverse view without trying to go to 10,000 sites and, and and kind of get through all of the junk and and inflammatory headlines that you're going to see on sites like you know Breitbart or the Daily Call, Caller or the Federalist or sites like that so there you go okay and finally uh I want to talk about the Hamilton thing Jay I know you've you've heard about this yes and and so essentially uh if, if, yeah, correct me if I get the story wrong, but uh, the cast of Hamilton, which Mike Pence went to see, at the end of the performance, basically, I, I guess I would say, had this. Although Pence, Pence was also booed sort of sporadically as he entered the theater, but that's a whole other thing. But go ahead. Yeah, but, I, but the, the cast of Hamilton had a uh, had a message for Mike for Mike Pence, right? Um, and the message yeah. was, uh, and I'll read the whole thing because it's short. Vice President-elect Pence, we welcome you and we truly thank you for joining us at Hamilton, an American musical. We are the diverse America who are alarmed and anxious that your new administration will not protect us, our planet, our children, our parents, or defend us and uphold our inalienable rights, sir. We hope that this show has inspired you to uphold our American values and work on behalf of all of us. So there it is. Um, yeah. And a lot of my friends on the left thought that this was a very good thing to do. It was a very positive message and didn't see anything at all wrong in it. And I just did a huge face plant. Um, I, I think, unfortunately, I, I this, this gets me really worked up because I think it's exactly the sort of thing that many of my very good friends on the left do not get, that they're kind of missing the point. And, you know, I, immediately I said... So essentially, the cast of Hamilton is lecturing the vice president-elect about his civic responsibility and saying, don't, don't hurt us. You know, and, and I just thought, yes. what, what, how, how does that, how do you not see that as hugely condescending? And how do you think that tens of millions of Americans who are going to see this reported through, you know, their, their preferred news sites are not going to see that as once again, liberal elites telling them that they are morally inferior. They're a bunch of yokels who want to destroy their way of life. You know, how is this at all a productive thing? To me, it's, it's like, it's like one of those open letters, you know, when you write an open letter to whatever, which sure. is this, you know, that's the same thing. When you write an open well, letter to someone. forms of journalism. Yes. For exactly. <laughs> there, I, I mean, I find it pretty much impossible to believe that the cast of Hamilton thought, oh, okay. Mike Pence is in the audience. We're going to say this and he's going to see the light like Saul on the road to Damascus. And he'll say, my God, I've been wrong so for so long, for so many years. Thank you, cast of Hamilton. 
Of course that wasn't going to happen. It was, to me, the worst type of moral preening. And, and the thing that really just really irritates me is I share the beliefs of the cast of Hamilton. I'm with them 100% in, what, in the kind of America that they want. And to me, this is so counterproductive. This makes them feel maybe good. It gets something off their chest, what have you. But it just absolutely does not advance anyone's interest. It just makes things Worse, you know, if you want to just kind of solidify these kind of views, and and, and so it just it just it aggravates me so incredibly much when I see my side, whose values I share, doing things that I think are absolutely that are going to not advance those values. It just drives me nuts, Jay. Yeah, here's here's my take on it. First of all, I would say uh, from from a household that is sort of Hamilton crazed. Uh, you have to understand as many three are. daughters yeah. and, and, and yes, and, and it's sort of on, on, you know, infinite repeat, uh, at, at my house. And I also want to say that the whole idea of that, that, uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda is a genius and the musical is, is genius and it's, it's absolutely wonderful. Um, and so, so that said to me that the idea that, that, that bugs me a little bit is the propensity of the left to inject their sort of view or commentary uh, in absolutely every field of, of everything. Um, and this kind of goes to sort of, I guess there's sort of a progressive type belief in this, but um, I mean, I, I think most conservatives don't, don't see that. I mean, you, 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 you don't feel the need to do that um, uh, to, it's sort of I'm, I'm a big, you know, rock music fan. And there are some bands that I don't go to see who I really like, but I don't want to go because you're saying you know, that somewhere in the midst of this show, they're going to give me a lecture okay. about global warming or, or something like that to politicize um, all of culture. Right. Yes. Okay. Yes. Sure. And that's that's the, the better way to put it. The, now, Hamilton, I would say, is sort of inherently well, political. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, uh, and, and and rightfully so. Uh, the actual the, the statement that they read, I didn't think was was that was that bad? No. Uh, but you're right. I mean, why well, do you, what, well, you don't, you here, don't lecture the vice president. You don't. Here, here's what I was thinking. And, and maybe this analogy is off. I, I know in a lot of ways. And but, but they I, sort of felt like they had to. I yeah. think that's the thing. If you, if you feel like you're not being, you can, I, I can completely feel like a good conservative. Uh, even if I don't sort of uh, spread the message of conservatism uh, in, in every aspect of my life. Right. Uh, you know what I mean? Right. Uh, it, it's sort of an, an uh, kind of silence an, is evang- evangelical leftism. Yeah. Well, well, there. Uh, yeah, exactly. That's a great way to put it, because, you know, there are a lot of folks. Uh, I think it's much more on the left than there, as, as on the right, as, as you would say, is that this idea that silence is assent. And if you're not speaking out, you know, you're you're not doing your job. Um, but again, I feel like it's it's kind of counterproductive. Another way to look at it, and I, I have this analogy that, that came to my mind, and I, I almost hesitate to say it because I'm sure some people are going to freak out, but I'm going to say it anyway. What the heck is let's, let's kind of try to turn the tables a little bit. What do you think liberal reaction would be if a group of conservatives said this to say a young black man in their midst? We want you to know that we have concerns. We, we worry you're going to hurt us, maybe shoot us, maybe kill us, maybe steal our stuff maybe even rape our daughters. And we're asking you to, you know, keep this fear of ours in mind and uh, adhere to the rules of civil society and not do any of these things. I mean, how does that sound? Wow. 
But you wow. know what I'm saying, right? Keep in mind, everybody, Mike said that, not me. But go ahead. <laughs> well, I mean, again, you know, no, I, I think... agree. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, uh, yeah. And that sort of that sort of points out the whole whole uh, politicization sort of um, uh, of culture. And I think why conservatives conservatives steer away from it just because it's not in their nature, but also because. Uh, and, and, you yeah, know, one, yeah. one, one way in which that analogy is, is way off, I know, is that there's a difference between. Uh, giving a message to someone who's in a position of power and someone who's not in a position of power. And I get that. I guess my my larger point is that I wish that more liberals would ask themselves, how will this advance our interests as opposed to, will this make me feel better if I say it or do it? And I think that sort of, when I see that kind of lack of pragmatism, uh, on my side, on any side, really, I guess in any issue, it 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 kind of really bothers me. Uh, maybe that's just because you know, okay, I used to be an idealist. Now I'm an older, jaded pragmatist, maybe. But that kind of counterproductive type of stuff just drives me absolutely nuts, especially when it's coming from my side of the aisle. People who, again, on policy issues, I agree with very, very much. So there you go. Yeah, I would say in in conclusion, I mean, it's Laura, the title of Laura Ingraham's book, and I'm not a Laura Ingraham fan, oh, but God. Yeah, shut up, yeah, shut up and sing. I mean, sort of that sort of the. Well, you know, and, um, and I don't even I don't even necessarily agree with that because I think there may be there may be points, there may be times when it makes sense to do that sort of thing to use your celebrity to speak out in a way, but I think it needs to be done always with an eye toward. What is going to best advance our long-term interests or, or will this, you know, will this hurt our long-term interests? And again, it kind of goes back to something you and I, Jay, have been talking about for a long time is that on both sides, people have such difficulty trying to sort of put themselves into the shoes, into the views of another. And certainly as a white, as a middle-aged white male it's very hard for me to do. And I, I admit that, you know, in a lot of issues that I could be off because I can't see things from the perspective of a, of a, a, a legal, uh, a legal immigrant or, or a young black man or something like that. But, you know, it works both ways. And I think we'll all be better off if we all make much more of an attempt to, before we act to try to say, okay, how might this be received by other people who I'm going to try to assume don't hate America and don't want to see the world burn, you know? Right. Yeah. So there you go. All right. Um, I think that about does it for me. I feel like my, my, uh, I've gotten that stuff off my chest. I feel better. Um, I hope it's been productive, uh, you know, uh, actually as well. So hopefully people have gotten some stuff to think about. So there you go. All right. Well then that's it for this episode of Ask the Politics Guys. Thanks everyone for listening. If you have any questions for future episodes or any thoughts, comments, or criticisms, which I think we're going to get after this one, we'd love to hear from you. Our email is mail at politicsguys.com. And our Facebook page where we post stuff throughout the week is facebook.com slash politicsguys page. We're also on Twitter at politicsguys. And of course, we would really appreciate it if you could subscribe to the show and leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or whatever podcast service you use. Sharing and retweeting our new show posts and tweets also really does help out a lot. And finally, if you'd like to sh- support the show financially, you can do that through the PayPal or Patreon links on our website. We'll be back with a new show next Wednesday. We hope you'll join us.